ask you to just bow your head right where you're at and just close your eyes. And I just want to just kind of teach you something today, okay? Worship is like your response to God. It's like your heart responding to God. It's your life. It's you responding to God. So I'm going to ask you to just do this with your eyes closed. Would you just take your hand and just like put it like out in front of you? If you need to see me, I'll give you, show you an example. Just like your open hand like this. Just close your eyes and just hold your hand out like this. And that's just kind of like maybe just a symbol of you saying, God, like my life, I I don't hold it with a closed fist. I hold it with an open hand and it belongs to, to you. This is my way of God of saying that I, I offer my life. I give you my life and I don't hold my life in just this closed hand. So God, you just, you know our hearts. You know where we're coming from, Lord. And as we go to your word tonight, God, Would you speak to us? Just help us to know what you want us to know. Uh, Help us to to hear what you want us to hear from your word. We love you, God, and so many of our friends are like all over the place tonight. But we 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 chose to be here tonight, God. We wanna we wanna be together, and we wanna be together loving you, God, and hearing from you. So thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated right where you're at. And uh, you all have the uh, wonderful opportunity to get to hear Eli speak today. So give it up for Eli. All right. Check, check, check. What's going on, guys? I'm going to make sure my timer's set here so that I don't go over. Um, all right. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Eli. Sorry, these cables in the way. It's good to see y'all. Uh, who, who was here for student conference this past weekend? Yeah, I see some of y'all. Nice, nice. That was a good time. Whoever didn't go, y'all missed out, I'm telling you right now. Um, but, but we'll have more opportunities in the future for sure for that. And, and I'm coming off a high because that weekend was so fun to be able to hang out with you guys and got this nice little cool shirt that I'm rocking. But um, I'm really happy to be with y'all this evening. And I say it every time I'm up here, y'all have the best youth pastor in the whole Rio Grande Valley. And so don't take Marcus for granted. But I, I know I don't have much time, so I'm going to go right into it. And I'm, I'm first going to start by asking you a simple question that you've been asked before. Um, if you could have any superpower, what superpower would that be? Just let me hear a few really quick. Super speed? Transportation? I have a car. I'll give you, I'll give you a ride. <laughs> what else? The ability to reverse anything. Interesting. To stop time, invisibility. Some of you are like, I am invisible. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I was too in, in, in elementary and middle school, but it's okay. Go ahead, Matt. Last one. That you can gain people's, like you can gain other abilities by, what if nobody has an ability? <laughs> that ability just goes nowhere. <laughs> But the reason why I ask that is because that question comes with, with this kind of like uh, assumption that we want power, this assumption that there's something in us that desires a power, something that, that, that we want that we don't already have. And so what I'm here to do is to show you how that because we know the truth of the power that lives in us, okay, because we know the truth that the power lives in us, we should have this eternal perspective. And, and I want to talk about, yeah, eternal perspective, what it looks like as a Christian, as, as a youth, as a middle schooler, or a high schooler, what it looks like to have an eternal perspective. And so what, what's a perspective? I want to first define what a perspective is. 
I should have that slide, I hope. Yeah, defining a perspective, really simply, it's a particular attitude toward a way of regarding something or a point of view. It's an attitude towards something. So to have an attitude of eternity, what that looks like. And I'm going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, okay? And I'm going to speed right through it, okay? I promise it'll, I only have three points. It'll go by fast, and it'll be easy. And so I'm going to be in, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and before we begin reading that, it's going to be verses 7 through 16, but before I begin reading that, I need to give you some background on Corinth, okay? So Corinth is in Greece. That's Corinth right now, and this is an image of, of Paul speaking. So Paul was an apostle of Christ, and he went to Corinth, and he preached, and he started a church there, but Corinth was a really nasty place. I mean, it was like Las Vegas, like the Sin City, and the church that was built there was not doing very well. Not only that, there were a lot of false teachings. There were people just starting to do crazy, gross stuff with other people and sin all over the place. And Paul's like, oh my gosh, this church is messing up. I need to go and help them. And so he's helping them. And in the first Corinthians, it's a letter to the church and he's trying to help them and guide them. And then in second Corinthians, we see him again speaking to the church. But what's different is that people didn't like him anymore. He was ugly. He was poor. He wasn't fancy, right? He wasn't like a Stephen Furtick, robot. Like he wasn't anything like that, right? Some of you are like, who's Stephen Furtick? He's, he's a pastor. He's really buff, good looking. Um, like Marcus. And so, <laughs> but Paul was the complete opposite. And they, they didn't want him anymore. But Paul understood something. He didn't care what they thought of him. What he cared about were their hearts. And Paul understood that while they don't like me anymore, I'm going to go and speak to them because I love them. Because I know that this time on earth is so fast and short and quick that what they think about me now is not going to matter compared to what's going to come after. So I'd rather go tell them the truth and speak to them in love because I have this eternal perspective. Paul is aware and he has this eternal perspective. So now we have a little bit of background and we're going to get into this story. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. It says this, and I'm reading from the CSB version. Sorry if you guys have different versions, but just bear with me. It says, now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. I'm gonna stop right there at the very first verse. Very important, and this is my very first point. We have power inside of us that is from God. If you are a Christian today, if you said, Jesus, take my life, Jesus, use me, Jesus, change me, you now, are like a jar of clay who has power inside of you, but that is from God, okay? And it's like treasure. It's literally true. When you think of treasure, like, you know, you think of, of pirates and looking, you know, for a treasure. I recently saw the movie Dora and like, great movie, by the way. It's really funny, but, and they're like looking for treasure and, and things like that and they find it and it's so precious to them. But we need to understand that we have a power inside of us that's like treasure. It's incalculable. I practiced saying that word before I came up here. Incalculable. It's priceless. There's nothing like it 
in the world, there will never be anything like it, like the power that we have as believers because of Christ. And, and this is why this is important, okay? I just told you that the people of Corinth didn't like Paul, right? And they were messing up a lot. They were messing up a lot. But Paul still choose, chose to say, hey, Church of Corinth, listen to me. You guys are messing up, but I still love you, and you need to be reminded that there is a treasure inside of you that will never be taken away because you have trusted Jesus, because you have trusted God as your Savior, and you still have this power that is inside of you. Paul is wanting to reconcile with these people. He's wanting to make things better. He loves them. He loves the church. He cares for them. Right? And I think that's so important that even us as, as a church right here as youth, some people don't even know other people. Some people, man, they're, they're, they, they, don't, they don't know anything about their lives, but yet Paul is here. People are hating on him, and he's trying to reach out to say, hey, you have the power of God inside you, just like a jar filled with treasure. It's beautiful. There's nothing like it in the world. Paul had an eternal perspective. And the simplicity that we see Paul use, right? He used a very simple illustration, a jar, a clay jar, right? Very simple, a clay jar to show them that, man, you're just this clay jar, but you have something inside of you. And it's so humbling to think that God would choose us. My friend told me this one time, and I may have said it before. He said, Jesus coming down to earth is like him coming down to a bunch of cockroaches, and I was like, oh, that's great. I hate, okay, fun fact, Josh Guarnetti hates cockroaches. I didn't ask him if I could say this, but I'm gonna tell him. He hates cockroaches, and legit, one time we were at his house, legit, one time we were at his house, and he, man, he screamed like a little girl. Like, he saw, he saw, <laughs> he's gonna kill me. He saw a cockroach, and he goes, ah! Like, he freaked out. He goes, oh, he goes, I hate cockroaches, and he just, started going everywhere. It looked like he was dancing, but he hates cockroaches. Now imagine the filth that Josh had, that, that, that view that, that a lot of people have, not just Josh, that I don't like cockroaches, right? That filth, but Jesus coming down to that filth and wanting to live with us and spend time with us and give us the power that is inside jars of clay. And, and I want to share this, this quick story. So this, how many of you guys know this guy right here? <laughs> My boy, Barney. Man, me and Barney go way back. That's my homeboy, man. Cut, you know? He troqueando all day. Um, all right, all right. He, me and Barney go way back. I love Barney. With, you have no idea how much I loved Barney. I love you. You Like, it was my, fav my favorite. And so when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I, uh, I had a birthday party. I think it was my first birthday party ever. And... My mom decided to get a Barney piñata, okay, a Barney piñata. And keep in mind, I didn't, I didn't know what a piñata was. I was like a little kid. I was literally a little kid. And I'm like, oh, it's Barney. Oh, my gosh. It's so crazy. I go up to him. He's like, just still. I'm like, oh, he's not going to talk today. But <laughs> I start singing to him. And, and, and I love this piñata. But all of a sudden, like, the day is going by, and we're there, and I'm just, like, staring at Barney, and I see him start levitating. And I go, yo, y'all see Barney levitating? What's going on? And then, like, just a kid comes and goes, gosh! And I was like, oh my gosh, they're murdering Barney right now! 
right in front of me. I freaked out. They were like, this was a murder, y'all. Like, I'm like, like they killed Barney. And, and I'm crying and like legit, there's a video of my mom carrying me and taking me out because I did not want them to kill Barney. I, I, I was so sad. They were just hammering him with this bat. And I was like, dude, what did he do to you? He loves you. Like, we're a happy family. <laughs> what did he do? And so after it, the, the crime scene was left, I'm walking around and I'm like in dismay at the murder scene. And I see, you know, just limbs everywhere. And I pick up one of his hands and I'm just like, it's okay. And I was like, oh, I didn't know he was made of newspaper. And, and I'm, I'm so sad. But the thing is, just like piñatas, jars are very fragile. Jars are very fragile. And once a jar can, can drop, it can have a scratch and it can be hit, but it will never be destroyed. And I'll explain that because Paul says in verse 8, which is going to be on the screen, it says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. Okay, that's a long verse, but here's the point. Here's a picture of a jar. Now, Paul is sharing something with the church of Corinth that that it's really important. As I mentioned, Barney was destroyed, right? He was ripped apart, dead, right, decapitated. And comparing to jars, that's also possible. When you, when you drop a jar, it can crack, it can, it can break. But, but Paul is saying, while that's possible, we won't be destroyed like the piñata. And I like to view the things that Paul lists here very specific things that he's listing that I think we all go through, especially those of you who are in middle school and high school and, and are starting to grow and learn more about yourselves and who you are. There's so many things that we go through. And I'm going to go down this list really, really quickly. Paul is talking about affliction. And affliction, you can, you can translate it to under pressure. Under pressure. Paul is saying, I've gone through this. I've been under pressure, but he wasn't crushed. He wasn't confined to where he couldn't share. So some of us right now are being under pressure. While we know the truth that's inside of us, we're being under pressure. But we have to be reminded that we will never be crushed. Nothing can confine us to where we can't share the gospel to our neighbor, to our classmate, to our friend. He says that we're perplexed and perplexed. I know I'm going fast. Perplexed means at a loss, but not in despair, meaning he was close to defeat, but he was never defeated. He was persecuted, a.k.a. followed by his enemies, right? There are people out there that don't want to be with us. There are people out there that don't like us. And they want to get in our heads, but he was never abandoned. The Lord never left him. He was struck down and beaten, but he wasn't destroyed. He was never killed. And here's the point. Here's the point number two. God is faithful. God is is faithful. And newsflash, some of us may have already gone through some of these things, and if you haven't, and you're a Christian, you will. Okay? You will. That's just something that, that Jesus said comes with following him, okay? 
But again, eternal perspective because the things of this world won't matter to the glory that's coming. So some of you guys, if you haven't already, have gone through, this, through some of these things, these things, but we need to be reminded that God is faithful. Just like he was faithful to Paul, he will be faithful to us. Life is hard, guys. It's tough. And the thing that's really important is, is going back to the jars analogy, is that there are scratches, right? Holes, cracks. But here's the difference that Paul is saying. While we are scratched, cracked, there's holes in our jars, God is still faithful. And those scars, what they used to represent, don't represent what they used to anymore. In other words, some of you are dealing with shame, guilt, specific sins, and those are cracks in your jar. But now those scars and those cracks no longer hold anything on you because there's something that you can now share with people that say, you see this crack, this scar? Jesus changed me and healed me from this scar, and now I'm going to show it to you because of what he's done in my life with it. Does that make sense? Right, Yarkov? Does that make sense? The scars and cracks in our jars don't no longer have a hold on us because of what Jesus did for us. Check this out. Look at this other jar. You see what's beaming out through there? What's beaming out through there? Light. Light. If there were no cracks, no scars in there, would you be able to see that light? Absolutely not. But because we are changed in Christ... Because we have been healed, those cracks now are testimonies, testimonies of God's faithfulness to us. And so let me ask you, what what are some of your scars? What are the cracks, scratches that you're going through? Because, and, and are you using them to glorify God? Or are you scared? Because there are such a thing as growing pains, guys, growing pains. When I was a, in high school, I had this, this thing called Osgood Schlatter that I was growing too much for, for my bones in every way. And, <laughs> and I couldn't handle it, right? I couldn't handle, I couldn't walk. Eventually, I was able to walk again, right? But they're growing pains because as you're growing and learning, you're gonna go through things, right? Such as growing pains. And so light is beaming through this jar. Don't be afraid to share And I'll be the first one to admit that I'm not perfect. I'll be the first one to say that I have a lot of cracks and scars in my jar that I'm not proud of. And I know it's hard to share. It's it's really hard to share, especially some of us who have some deep, deep stuff. I'm telling you, man, like, I'll be the first one to say I got some deep stuff, but that I'm no longer ashamed of to share because of what Jesus has done in me. And it's hard to recall a moment that wasn't so much fun. It's not easy. But Paul knows that. And this is what Paul tells us in verse 16. He encourages the church right here. He says, you're going to go through stuff. It's going to be hard. But then he says this. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable what? Incomparable what? Eternal weight of glory. Incomparable eternal weight of glory. Paul knows every day it's a battle. It's hard, man. 
to wake up. I don't like waking up sometimes. I really don't. Especially the night before, if like things are going crazy and, and, and family problems and, and people are calling me and, and there's so much stuff going on in this world, but, but we take heart. We don't give up. Why? Because Paul just reminded us again that while we are crushed, we are not destroyed because of God who is working in us. And this in very simple verse, verse 14, I'm going to speed right through this. Verse 14, it says, For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Point number three, we have our hope in Christ. Our hope lies in the power of Jesus Christ and all the glory belongs to him. Because the power that raised Jesus is the power that is living in us and that power is found in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Christ. And again, our, our outer self is being decayed, right? Life is very short. And I did some, some, some fun facts uh, while, while kind of going through this and, and I found out the average uh, life expectancy uh, of a human being, male and female. So for a male, I don't know if it's up there or not, I don't think I put it up there, but for a male, it's 75 years old, and for a female, it's 80 years old, or 70 to 75, whatever. The point is, life is very short. I'm 20 years old, and to think that a third of my life, or, you know what? Look at me. The way I keep eating is gonna take 10 years off of my life, so let's just say, Almost half of my life is gone, okay? And then add the fact that when I'm old, I won't be able to move as much as I could either. So that even shortens it even more, right? The, the, the thought that my life is, is almost kind of done in terms of physically being able to do things scares me. But Paul knows that while our outer self is decaying, we have our hope in Jesus in the midst of that. And we are reminded of what is to come. We are reminded of what is to come. And when I look back at my life so far, I think, man, have, have, I, have I followed Jesus to the best of my ability? Have I done the task that he's laid before me? And have I not? And you guys get a pass. You're young, right? You're... You're still learning, you're still growing. So I'll give you a little bit of a pass, not too much. But, you know, I, I don't give people my age or older a pass anymore. You know, you're learning and growing. And if you've been a believer, are, are you doing the task that Jesus has laid before us? Do we give up or do we press on? And I pray that we keep going. And I'm going to close with this last story, okay? I'm already done. I wanna go back to the example of the piñata really quick, okay? Because I, I really love Barney. And because I believe that it relates so well with verse 18 and reminds me and all of us once again of where I used to be then and where I am now. So verse 18 reads this. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is what? Unseen. We do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is unseen is eternal. Now, after that murder, I, I, 
I grew up a little bit. I got older and I was an advocate for killing piñatas because I was an advocate for hitting them and seeing what was inside because I understood now that there were goodies up in there, right? There was candy. And so after I, I, I became an advocate for that, I started like calculating angles of the piñata, like going up before they were going to hit it and be like, yep, this is the soft spot right here. Candy's going to fall this way. Yep, this is good. This is good. Okay. And like I had a strategy. I had a strategy of how to get the best, like the best candies, like the most candies. And so <laughs> what would happen is that I would pick my spot because I knew this candy was going to be here. I'd even look at like, like if you guys are baseball, baseball fans, you look at the, at the, like the typical things that a batter does. So I studied and analyzed every hit, every kid that hit. And so I was like, okay, this kid's up next. It's definitely going to get killed here. And so I'd stand in this position and like he hits it and like two little candies, three little candies come out and all the kids go, ah, they think it's over, but I'm smart. I have, I'm a veteran. I know what this means. It just means the big ones come in next. And so I let them have the little pieces because I know that the big ones come in and all of a sudden, Boom, he hits it, and exactly where I predicted it was going to fall, it falls. And this is where my strategy comes in hand. I just lay down. I just lay on top of the candy. I don't even move. I'm just like, -da -da -da. Mm -hmm. I'm like singing. I'm looking at all these kids. I don't even have a bag, bro. Like, I'm a pro. I don't even have a bag. People, kids are like, ah, ah, ah. And if it's a big load, I tell my brother, hey, get the bag, bro. Hurry up. It's a big one. This is a big one. And so my brother come, and like, he would like <laughs> help me put candy. And I get up, right? And there's an imprint of my body. <laughs> and like, it's like this big. And like, there's just a big pile of candy. And all the kids are like, what? I was like, hey, what's up, fool? And so... <laughs> And I collect all this candy, right? Because I knew now that there was something awesome inside of that piñata. But here's the thing. In order for me to get that candy, it had to be broken. In order for me to get what was inside, it had to be hit and destroyed. And just like a jar... In order for me to be filled with that power that's inside of me now, another jar had to be broken. Another jar had to be whipped. Another jar had to be destroyed. And that jar was Jesus. Jesus, the perfect person, the perfect human being who lived a perfect life, had to be hit, whipped, and destroyed, killed on a cross for me. And as I ponder on that thought, as I think about that moment where Jesus is, is on the cross, and, and I picture myself standing in front of that cross, and Jesus is right in front of me, and the moment where he says his final words, and he dies, and, and the Roman soldier comes and stabs him, and all this blood starts gushing out and, and falling on the floor, I picture myself laying there just like I did on the candy, just laying there on the floor, allowing the blood of Christ to wash over me. And the sweetness of candy that I tasted in the piñata, I am now tasting the sweetness of freedom in Christ. Jesus had to be broken for us. And you're saying, Eli, how does, how does this tie in with eternal perspective? Very simple. Ah, I should have the verse up there, the next verse. Hopefully not. Yes, the first verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm, I'm going to finish up right here. For we know that if our earthly tent 
we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens made with hands. Not made with hands, sorry. Listen, when Jesus died on that cross and we gave our lives to him and we received the sweetness of freedom that was given by his blood, we are automatically his children, okay? And because of that, we have a seat with him in his kingdom. And as you notice, it's talking about tents. And I love Pastor Julio during staff meeting a couple weeks ago said this, and it stuck with me. And it's and it stuck with me for like I'm thinking about it all the time. He says, camping is fun, right? When you think of tents, you go camping. And it's fun. You you hang out, you do things you gotta do, but it's a lot better to go home. It's a lot better to go home. And so while we're camping out here on earth, while our tents are put up, do we have this eternal perspective, understanding that one, we have the power inside of us, that two, God is faithful, and that three, we have our hope in Christ, and because of that hope, we should have this eternal perspective, and that one day we're gonna go home, and that you beautiful jars of clay are gonna be perfect in him, amen? Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for just allowing uh, your spirit to move. Father, I pray that, that these words that were spoken were all from you, Jesus, and that you use them to motivate us to understand that this eternal perspective is something that is to look forward to. And we look forward to seeing you one day, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen.